uh, disappointing. Yeah, such Very a let such a letdown. Seriously, um, but we're not talking about that. Um, no, I mean the other thing is that like I kind of talked about it. I think um, on our Son of Sam episode, but or maybe it was the one before that. It doesn't matter. Right now, there's a movie cleaning up at the box office. Uh, John Wick Four. Um, previously, in the past couple of weeks, we've also saw the release of Scream Six and Creed Three. So three long-running, um, you know, franchises. Franchises, right? That because are the, it's Creed Three, but yeah. it's actually Rocky Nine. Yes, and they each of those. I I don't know about Creed in the relation of the of, of the Rocky movies, but it's the highest-grossing Creed movie. Scream Six, I think, is the highest-grossing Scream. And John Wick is on... It just had the biggest opening of any John Wick movie. Um, meanwhile, in the past couple months, Ant-Man and Shazam, Fury of the Gods, have both fucking tanked. Shazam, especially, is looking like an, a huge bomb. Um, Which is kind of unfortunate. I did enjoy the first Shazam. I, I really did, too. I, I liked that a lot, as well. Yeah. I was looking forward to this. It is a horrible trailer they Bad have done trailer. some horrible marketing for this yeah. actual movie. i've seen some like okay reviews for it but like uh, sorry go ahead yeah well i was just gonna say and just the behind the scenes dc stuff that's been going on <laughs> really doesn't help any of their cases it's kind of embarrassing like, yeah flash coming out in a couple months and then basically saying it's gonna reset everything but at the same time they were saying like if you go and support shazam fury of the gods Zach Levi may make it back into that universe. Like, it's not implausible. Have, also, <laughs> he's kind of a moron. Oh, completely. He says, moron. like, really dumb things. Yeah, uh, possibly anti vax, or at least one of those guys. I was just like, I'm just asking questions about stuff. Um, yeah, so but he's like, I, yes, we should question pharmaceutical companies, but the way you're coming right. at it seems a little sus. Exactly. So to use the terminology uh, of the kids. Right, right. There is that, and then I don't know if you've seen the like the kind of deranged videos he's been putting out, right? Mm. Of like you know, hey, no. you, you can't take a family to John Wick Four. We made a much better movie, anyways. It's like, hey, go to see people who saw it. No, they know, and it's like. All right, man, you can make the claim, you can make the plea, like, hey, if you got a family, take them to see Shazam. <laughs> but then it's straight up say we're better than John Wick 4. Like, you're getting to a weird mm. level of petty because of the box office results that it's just not cool. Um, and, and then he was like, like a weird Christian thing, right? Yeah, he's Christian. Well. He's, he's like very Christian. Yeah. It's um, like uh, the Rain Wilson thing. Have you seen that yeah. about how he's like? There's Last an, of there's us an is anti-Christian bias in the world in the, in Hollywood. Okay, and I was just like, okay. I, I kind of saw that. I was like, good. <laughs> okay, like, yeah. no offense to anything, but like, you know, they can take the criticism. I think, you know, um, but uh, there's also uh, he he had also, he had a video of like. Uh, ranting against like unknown people at DC, being like, you know, we were blocked from our true vision. We were, I was gonna be in the post credits as Shazam, and they stopped us. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I want the truth to come out. I'm like, oh yeah, the great truth. Like, oh, this is why your right. stupid character wasn't in this post credit scene of a movie that also bombed. Yeah, I saw a quick one that was like uh, someone asking him if he'd seen Shazam, and he's like, I have so many other things to do before <laughs> I watch uh, Shazam. No, not Shazam. Black Adam. That yeah. was it. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I that was my uh, Freudian slip this episode. 
Uh, he also like had some tweet that he deleted because people were just like making fun of him for it, where he was just like at uh, Neil Druckmann or something like, "Hey, last of us, pretty great show. Roll for me in season mm. two. And it's like, dude, you're just I did see that. begging for more roles right now, like on publicly, like, like me, yeah, like me. Um, I have millions of dollars, but I want millions more. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I just I think that this is an interesting time for movies right now. Obviously. As soon as like a like critically well regarded comic comic book movie comes out, things may change. Like we'll see how Guardians of the Galaxy three does, but right. it's getting to the point where the the everyday common person is being like, "I'm tired of Marvel and what they're doing right now isn't working." You know? Yeah, I don't want to watch forty hours of content just right. to make have this make sense. Yeah, exactly, and uh, so I I don't. I, we'll see how James Gunn does. I really like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. That is easily one of the best Marvel movies. Um, I'm also excited for Flash. Like it, it has it something that seems could interesting. Do... Yeah, like in, I, I'll in, be there in for relation it, but... to the to the the new story we don't want to talk about. <laughs> there's a, there's a similarity between Flash and and that, which is interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. and unfortunate for that movie and for the director. Like, uh. You know, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. I guess Michael Keaton coming back that that is an interesting hook, but I don't know. It also kind of and they seem to be making it like the Michael Keaton movie instead of Ezra Miller's The Flash. <laughs> that the Flash is really just the cameo in the whole thing, My, and it's just Michael Keaton's Michael The Keaton. Flash. Wait, hold on, what? <laughs> Michael Keaton's The Flash, where he plays Batman. Yes. Um, Hey, anyway, I, I think we're done with that. We're not, that talk. We got, yeah, we're not talking yeah. about superheroes. Although, I mean, we could theoretically, like, bridge that gap that they are altered humans. Right. And we are also going to be talking about altered humans this month because this is Altered April here on The Weekly Podcast Massacre. I am your host for today. My name is Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. I have a lovely co-host with me today. Hi, I am said lovely co-host Greg from Los Angeles. How's it going? I'm pretty good, pretty good. I am ready to talk about this movie because it was altering my perception of reality. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine too. Yeah, it it really, has that effect. Yeah, it really slowed time down for me, uh, as will sometimes happen when you're in an altered state. Um, right. I, yeah. I felt like my mind molecules were being reassembled. Mm-hmm. Rearranged as yeah. we were going. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, today we are talking about Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh, directed and written by Panos Cosmatos, who um, let's just get it out there, nepotism baby. <laughs> I mean, true, true. And uh, in, in both regards, true. I don't know if you were I read anything further about him. Uh, his mother was something. Yeah, was like a I sculptor, forgot. like a sculptor, or some kind of visual artist, yes. I believe. Yeah, and she yes. did very abstract, like, um, like out there art. Um, and so he said this movie is kind of a a interesting blend of the sort of popcorn movies his father made, and then the much more like abstract, um, mm-hmm. like internal stuff his mother made. Uh, although, which uh, I I really enjoy, like. Yeah. kind of merging those two aspects like, like from his parents. I, I will say yeah. I think um he's more he's probably more well known as the director of Mandy. Uh yeah. that was like a bigger hit that I think had not maybe not mainstream appeal. Uh definitely not mainstream appeal, but it it got around with like 
film fans, and uh, I think it was I, yeah. pretty well regarded when it came out. I feel like that was one of the first ones uh, to be like, hey, you know what? Maybe we counted out Nick Cage. Maybe he yeah. actually does have something right. that we're... I guess it was Joe maybe a couple years before that, and then Mandy, and it was like, all right, he, yeah, I, there's, he hasn't lost it. There's something else in there, too, um, that I can't think of, but you're right. And this is all pre-Pig, and then Pig is this big, like, I think if you weren't on back on the Nick Cage train with before pig you are after pig because that performance is kind pig. of that performance is kind of undeniable it's it's fucking incredible um i it's yeah i want to see it again movie. it is yeah i gotta see it right yeah. uh i want to see it again uh i definitely gotta give it another shot because i think i remember i remember loving his performance and thinking the rest of it was like all right um yeah but i think uh going in with the right expectations I, i'll probably appreciate it more because the marketing kind of pulls one on you, I will say. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it's good though. It's it's very good. But yeah, so he's more well known for Mandy, which that to me is another incredible blend of like um, I, I, maybe like psychedelic a, horror. Yeah, psychedelic horror, but like a low art and like kind of loftier, you know, uh, psychological. I don't want to say high art, but like something about that's about something deeper. You know what I mean? But with like a pulp fantasy horror aesthetic on top of it that one is much more successful i will say than this one for me for high art in film does it really just need to be at, at like a snail's pace <laughs> that's it this is pace wise like the slower yeah, it goes the higher it. the art yeah that's it yep uh, uh well, let's talk just quickly about his father george cosmatos because i just watched cobra for the first time this week yeah i love cobra and it's like it's fun like it's kind of a dumb movie but Stallone mm. is really fucking cool um, in here's that the, movie. Here's the weird thing about that one. So I, I think that it's a similar... I, I've heard it described uh, by multiple people, um, podcasters, and just like reading other reviews of it and things like that. But I've heard it described as art action. Like pop mm-hmm. art action. Because it's funny we talked about, hey, is it just, is it just high art because it's slower? I in a way, sometimes I think that honestly is true. If the movie is taking time to actually like establish character, to actually like you know let you sit in a space and like soak in what is going on, it can lead to I think deeper understanding. Right? Um, this is the most pretentious thing in the world about the dumbest fucking movie. <laughs> but uh, there's that moment in Cobra when he is uh, when he's coming home to back to his apartment and. There's not really a soundtrack going, but there is a song playing in the background. It's diegetic. And he's walking up yes. the stairs. There's that giant Pepsi sign right outside of his window. And the way the neon is like lighting that scene, he goes into the apartment. Lights are kept off. It's just lit by the neon outside. And he pulls out a slice of pizza and cuts it with scissors before eating it. It is the most like, but does that, the way that scene plays out, it is telling you so much about Marion Cobretti, <laughs> one of the greatest character names in cinema history, uh, but it really does get you into like his headspace, and it puts you into a weird place. And it, honestly, when I was watching this movie, and when I watched Mandy, I can see the influence Cobra has on his movies. Um, it is kind okay. of it is really interesting. Where I mean, it's this big dumb action movie, uh, you know, Cobra, but it has this moment where we're gonna sit in his in his space in his living space and like see how he operates and guess what it's fucking weird man and it tells you a lot about him it's bizarre it's giving a lot of character things I, again it's one of those things the movie's 
barely 90 minutes, right? Yeah. So it's like, we're, we have to take time somewhere to make this a full feature length mm-hmm. picture. It's it's just, I, I like just partner. I thought there were like a lot of interesting, good things about it. It was just like, how simple and dumb can we make this? Yeah. But Stallone still being like the most badass cop of all time. Oh yeah. Driving one of the coolest cars that like should have oh. the worst suspension after what they've done to it. Oh, yeah, seriously. But it, it does take a weird turn at a certain point where it, it does kind of abandon that artsier stuff. It seems like yeah. Stallone, because Stallone used him for like First Blood Part Two. Maybe he did Rambo right. Three. I don't remember. But um. And then on Tombstone, famously, he directed Tombstone. He's credited with directing Tombstone. Quote, unquote. Right. But the big story around that one is that, like, uh, uh, Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell, yes. Like, basically took over and directed. I mean, Kurt Russell has said as much. And Cosmatos is dead. He died in 2005. So I don't think we ever really got his input on whether that's true or not. But it seemed like, um, aside from Cobra, he kind of was around to just to be a proxy for the lead actor who ended up directing. Cause that's the story with first blood part two is that Stallone kind of did a lot of stuff himself. Um, so okay. it was already an established director at that and point, you know, it makes sense because I did notice that Cobra is Stallone as yes. well. Yeah. Like but it, by, but so. it, it seems like, um, it seems like he may have gotten to do more of what he wanted. That's what I'm guessing on Cobra, which is why you see this weird influence that his son, also takes from the other thing that's yeah. that that cobra gives us huge huge piece of inspiration for drive as well which is also like this weird pop art action movie and i would say that refin that's has very a similar, slow yeah refin has yeah. a similar vibe uh a similar vibe to uh panos cosmatos i will say they're like yeah kind of of a piece and they came out the same year right beyond the black rainbow and drive um mm-hmm. so a pretty, and, yeah pretty cool and there. only god forgives is the highest art that we have ever established <laughs> in the known universe you know i've it only one of the slowest movies of all time i have only seen uh drive uh, out of reference filmography and so for me he's bad in 100 you know and uh, <laughs> I, uh i'll have to watch thousand, more I believe. Bad in a thousand. i'm sorry yes I'll have to watch more of his stuff. My my coworker tells me that Copenhagen Cowboy is incredible. It's his Netflix series. Just uh, there's there's a show that he did for Amazon that looks interesting. Too too old to die watch. young, right? Is that yeah? It? I think that's it because I yeah. think it's got John Hawks in it, and I'm right, a big right. I'm a big big John Hawks fan. Yeah, I've heard that's really good. Um, but yeah, the the the, the jacket and Cobra, and then him chewing on the toothpicks, like oh, they yeah. took that for Gosling almost one for one, you know? Um, yeah. So anyway, there's something to the Elder Cosmatos that like certain directors really latched onto, um, particularly from Cobra. Yeah, uh, let's give uh, some of the actors real quick, and then we can give some recommendations. This is a very small cast. I only really noted uh, five people, and only three of them are actors. So we'll talk about uh, Eva Bourne, who plays Elena, mm-hmm. a young girl being held captive. We have Michael J. Rogers as Barry Nile, who is a psychotic uh, doctor, pharmacologist, psychiatrist, something. He's a scientist. Mm-hmm. And then we have Scott Highlands as Dr. Aboria, the mysterious leader of the Aboria Institute. And then the two other people I wanted to shout out, because like with all of these high art movies, I think a lot of it comes down to music and sound design. So we have music by Siona Caves and sound design by Eric Paul. And 
these i think these two people elevate it as much as it is there's a lot of interesting visuals and story that sometimes i'm like okay this kind of works but when that music and sound design kicks in i'm like okay you've you've made a pass now yeah i i will say for uh, whatever else i say about the movie uh and this episode um you're the music is fucking phenomenal like yes really 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 good and i did listen to the soundtrack maybe twice yesterday and then i fell asleep to it last night as well like i just i kept playing it because i was just like there's there's so many good tracks on there i think it's going to be a regular rotation thing now for sure um and then yeah the the visuals and the sound design really really it's exceedingly well made um and like i would just that's how i'm gonna preface the rest of this episode right it's and I'll, i'll go ahead and say it's like almost like paper thin premise that they're stretching out but as I was uh, explaining to Brittany or, like, other people that I was talking to yesterday, it's a vibe movie. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, you just have to kind of let it wash over you and um, enjoy or not enjoy it, as you may do. But uh, before we really get into the plot, let's do some recommendations. Greg, is there anything you've been watching, playing, listening to that's not horror-related? I know you want to talk about a horror-related thing. Yeah, but it's but it's not a movie. Uh, that's true. <laughs> and you know what? It is. It marks a big turning point in that franchise where it turned from being horror-based to, to, to uh, action-based. But, more action. Yeah. yeah, I've been playing the remake of Resident Evil 4. It came out on Thursday, and uh, it has been taken over my life. I I've been really really loving it. It's it's such a great update to the game. Um, it really feels like I mean it's a remake in that yeah they literally do the same thing over again, but they they remix things in just the right way. It's really exciting to get to some area you recognize like oh man this is that room from the original and like I I've played the original so many times that like I go into it and be like all right I had these expectations set and the game knows exactly what you're expecting and just twist things it can still the right surprise way you. to surprise you but also keep things like familiar um i mean it, it is like when it comes to remakes of video games i've been hearing a lot of dissenting opinions on stuff just like well this is what we're gonna do now we're just gonna take old shit and update it i mean it's the same argument you get in movies um but it's like i'm not opposed to that but sometimes like, it's warranted yeah I, movies i think are somewhat different like, with video games, it's all about the technology available. Absolutely, Like, yeah. you go back to look at those early Ghostbuster games, and it's just right. like, you know, it's pixels and sprites and everything. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, you're not going to really be able to improve upon, right. like, the effects of the original Ghostbusters, in my opinion. Like, there's no need to remake that, mm-hmm. <coughs> Paul Feig. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I th- I think there are... I was saying to someone in our Discord, like, why are we remaking... Oh, it was the Vertigo thing. Why are we going to remake Vertigo? Remake trash that didn't yeah. work. Yeah. I think you could... There's a there's room for something like Vertigo to be done. I mean, it's that's the thing, though, is that Vertigo has been sort of remade over and over by Brian De Palma. Uh, recently, Decision to Leave, um, the director... Uh, I think it's Park Chan-wook. Uh, was very was very open about being influenced by Vertigo and being like, yeah, I'm basically just doing a take on Vertigo here. But those um, are more like adaptations sure. of it with their own thing. But to literally give 
like the same character names right. and traits and everything. If they uh, don't set it in San yeah. Francisco, like what's the point? Like I, I, I don't know. I'm just I very. Could, I, could I love be, that movie. Yeah, there's so the to thing that's it it's tarnished. It's not going to tarnish it. I mean, the Hitchcock one's going to. I mean, it's how old now, and people are still discussing that movie, still in love with it. Or there's still like it's a huge number two following on the right. the, the, the sight and sound. So I, whatever they do with this remake is not going to touch its legacy. You know what I mean? If a remake of Psycho with with uh, with what's his face didn't you know tarnish the Vince legacy Vaughn. of Psycho? Yeah. Or Vince do you Vaughn. mean William H Macy? Or do you mean Anne Heche? Or do you mean Julianne Moore? I mean, I guess all or of them. Mean... But like. Uh, Vince Vaughn is one I had my in my head, but um, if that's not going to touch the legacy of Psycho, then I think Vertigo is going to be all right, you know. Yeah. Um, and like, look, I'm I am ready for Robert Downey Jr. to fucking step out of that Marvel shadow and do something I actually want to see again. <laughs> Did you <laughs> not want to see not the Doolittle? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I was saying the other thing I've been watching is the John Wick series because there's the John Wick four mm. coming out, and I, I could not be more excited yeah. for that. Uh, I rewatched one last night. I think that's the best one, and I think I have diminishing returns on all of the other ones. And I'm like, they're still pretty cool and good, but, like, I, I, they're just, they get so bizarrely unrealistic. Oh, yeah, but to me... And I'm kind of like, eh. So when I saw the second one in theaters, I walked out having the same kind of thought, being like, well, they really took that to a silly place, didn't they? Like... There's a secret network of homeless people now that is their own, like, faction of the Assassin Club. Um, what so else are you going to do? You got, I, you got to keep it rolling. So I, I walked out of two being like, well, they're kind of losing it a little bit. And it was all just more the same action-wise and blah, blah, blah. Three, I liked a lot more because I thought it got really creative in the action. But when I rewatched two on Friday, it blew my fucking mind. I was like, how okay. did I think this? I, I, I really loved revisiting two. Um, and to me, all of the unre- unrealistic stuff is like they're fully aware of how silly it is, and they are playing into sure. the comedy of it. To, and uh, rewatching too, I think I just didn't give them the benefit of doubt when I was just like, "Oh, yeah. they don't realize this is dumb." Like, no, they kind of know how stupid this stuff is. Like, yeah, they're having they fun understand with it. it's it's a campy nature. Yes, right? exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, honest, funny enough, the one I'm going to recommend, I was honestly like, why haven't they remade this recently? Like, this could be a big hit. I went and saw Some Like It Hot on the big screen oh. yesterday. Oh, cool. Uh, starring the lovely Marilyn Monroe. This was actually my first Marilyn Monroe movie. Um, I ended up watching Blonde before I watched any of her <laughs> other movies. And, and you liked Blonde, no, right? I think you were kind of on the pro-Blonde side. There. I wouldn't say I'm pro blonde. I liked okay. more than I didn't like, gotcha. but it's still like a bizarrely weird and bad movie. I also was a big fan back in the day of Norma Jean and Marilyn, starring Ashley Judd as uh, Norma Jean, and I've then after she does, after she does uh, uh, plastic surgery, she is Mira Sorvino as Marilyn Monroe. That's so. That's kind of an awesome back idea. To, to Whoa. Summer of Sam, yeah. Uh, I I really enjoyed that one back in the day, but it was yeah, it was really good. Jack Lemmon's fantastic. I had no idea that it was Tony Curtis who is Jamie Lee Curtis's right father. So I was I was kind of blown away. It's a fun madcap kind of comedy. There's some real stupid parts of it, but it's like okay, well this is the 50s what else are you gonna do you gotta be 
uh, kind of kitschy. Right. But I again, with all the, the bullshit going on right now, like this would be the time to remake this movie to be like, drag, see? It's not harmful. It can be funny. Yeah. But then like also have, you would probably also need like real drag people. That's the one that point not to like uh, marginalize uh, them. Sure, sure, sure. Um, That's the one that ends. I mean, yeah, clearly you would. I think a remake with actual drag performers would be really interesting. Um, I think that would be the thing. Yeah, yeah. Especially now, you're right. That's what ends with you have the Marilyn. You have the Marilyn Monroe character who is pretending to be a man dressed up as a woman. See, I didn't even know that was the plot. I I should. Yeah, is that it's. It's all about um, a girls' band, and Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis are on the run from the mob. And so they're like, I guess we'll pretend to be women and go down to Florida. And then they meet Marilyn Monroe, and they're both like, okay, you know, maybe we should uh, stay in this band just a little bit to that's, try to make it uh, work. That's more with, that ends with Jack Lemmon on a boat, right? I, I know the ending. Right. And, yeah. And the, the, he's, you know, dressed as the woman and the guy, like, wants right. to marry him. And he's like, you know, I'm a smoker. I do everything. I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> the end. I mean, just based on was... knowing that ending, I, I want to see the whole... I love I like Billy Wilder, too. Everything I've seen from him it's has fun. been excellent. So. Yeah, that that was the thing. It was uh, a film series of Walk on the Wilder side. And it was nice. five Billy Wilder movies. Four or five Billy Wilder movies. Saw Double Indemnity for the first time oh. there. <laughs> I love On the big screen. Pretty great. Yeah, I gotta see that again. I yeah. saw that once in film school, but it really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to to get the the guy who curates all this stuff to be like, look, I got a great series for you. Famous Last Films. Mm, there you go. And you do a director's last films. I want to see Eyes Wide Shut on the big screen. I want to see the other side of the wind. That was going to be my on pitch the big too. Screen, yes. yeah. That's the what I really want. I should rewatch that, yeah, for sure. Um, I do love that one. Oh yeah, uh, man. Speaking of, uh, I know we're we're have yet yet started talking about Beyond the Black Rainbow, really, but uh, the Inland Empire 4K, uh, that's right, Criterion came, came out. Mine shipped. Should be arriving tomorrow, probably. Um, there's an interview on it with Kyle MacLachlan. It's him interviewing Laura Dern, a recent interview. She says her and David Lynch have been discussing a character for her to play. And Kyle MacLachlan makes some... Yeah. Yeah. When he stopped doing, like, the The weather 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 updates and the the numbers, like, oh, you know, I'm kind of busy. Yep. Uh, Kamu Gwakwan too made some vague reference that he was like talking to him recently and he's like, oh, I, I want to get back to something like Eraserhead or my earlier works. And I'm like, oh boy, okay, here we, now he's cooking, now he's cooking, here we go. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's what Inland Empire is a lot of that like very surreal disconnected stuff. And right, well, I the, the ju- narrative just kind of takes, the narrative sort of takes the backseat, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we just got to episode eight in the Twin mm. Peaks, The Return, Got a Light. And I may have set it up a little too high for Brittany as I was putting in the disc. I was like, this is one of the greatest episodes of episodic television ever. And then played it and she was like, I guess <laughs> it's there. Yeah. I, I will say, I think, because uh, I was rewatching all of those twice or multiple times before each episode came out you know 
Um, yeah, me too. It wasn't until I watched it a second or third time when I was just I was so entranced with it again and mm-hmm. again. Like uh, it built for me because the first time is just confusion of like what the fuck is happening right now? How long is this going to go on for? You know, um, <laughs> are we going to spend ten minutes on the nuclear explosion? Yeah, I, and just I, zooming into it. Exactly. I am in the, on the last episode uh, tomorrow um, with the people I'm watching it with. We watch the final episode again. Um, Ugh. But that's a good Are point of comparison. The last two together because they yeah. aired. No, together? we just we did episode oh. seventeen last week and we're in eighteen this week. Ooh. We're stre- we're stretching out our time with Twin Peaks, you know. No, it was it was how Lynch wanted it to be shown. Two, that's true. Four episodes within two days, and then the Look, last two. I mean, were one day. He said the entire thing is one eighteen-hour movie, <laughs> and it's like it's it's right, on the it's... sight and sound list of best films, isn't it? Like I think it's up there. Uh. I'm not sure. I have to check that. I think it's. I think it's. There list, is like I a letterbox entry for it. Exactly. I think it is like uh, on on some list. Like it's on some list of the greatest films of all time. It ca- people count it as a film. There's a big argument about it. Anyway, I think Lynch is a good transition back to Beyond the Black Rainbow because yes. Bla- Beyond the Black Rainbow, because there it's stylistically, like I said earlier, letting the narrative take the backseat and letting the aesthetic tell the story. Uh, I would say yeah. is the a similar approach, and just like Lynch was making, I guess he would have been making it beforehand, but it was premiering. Dune was premiering in 1983. I want to say that's oh, yeah, when yeah. this movie takes place. Mm-hmm. We get we automatically we get told it's 1983, and we're shown a promotional video. I kind of love this. I, 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 I like love the this. opening. It's a great yeah. way to start. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think of, you might be a little too young for these, but, uh, did you ever get those VHS tapes for, like, Disney or other theme parks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That they would send, like, the attraction videos to, like, Mm -hmm. get a kid, like, so pumped up that he's gonna explode. Yeah, totally. No, we, uh, yeah. I have, uh, I have older siblings that are closer to your age, and, like, uh, we had some remnants of those, for sure. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's automatically what made me think about, was this, like, promotional video trying to make it all look good, that it's sleek, like, mm-hmm. we're gonna change the world. Or, I guess in Disney, be like, change your little minds world. Right. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna make a, a, a jokey reference to it last week, uh, but did you ever watch the Kari Fukunawa series? The, you know, director of... Uh, no time to die. Did you ever watch his his True. Netflix series Maniac? I did actually. With yes. the, yeah, with this Jonah Hill a, and Emma Stone. Similar idea. Right. Yeah, Justin Theroux mm-hmm. and I want to say some other big actor, but yeah, some really I, good names in there. But yes, I feel like that's one that I need to revisit. I enjoyed it while I was watching it, but it was kind of this like this is a little too weird. Maybe I think the first half of it is it was great, and then it really peters out to the ending. But yes. um, but I thought it started. Out it really is a strong. similar idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Of this, like you know, we are limited as mankind. Um, you know, we've had all these evolutionary steps, but maybe like we're kind of stilted at this point. We're not growing as a species or anything. And uh, Doctor Aboria at the Aboria Institute wants to take the next step, whether it be technology, uh, psycho. Uh, pharmacology, like neuropsychology. Neuropsychology is a, a a term he uses, and energy sculpting. That's one of the methods they use, which I I love that choice of words. Yeah. 
So it feels like this was shot before 83. Like this is this is an older that video yeah, to try to sure. get yeah, to try to get people to to come to the Aboria Institute. Um, you know, power of love, you know, summer of love, that kind of thing. Like, hey, we're really going to like expand everybody's mind. We're going to alter your consciousness. We're opening the doors of perception. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about that is as compared to last year's Altered April, which was mainly marijuana, which is a psychoactive like drug, um, LSD, which maybe in this movie, we really don't know. They don't spell anything out about that. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about LSD is that it is a man-made drug, that it was something yeah. we came up with in a laboratory and a bunch of people got their hands on it. Um, the Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test is a wonderful book. If you haven't read it, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, I gotta but it's read all that. about. I mean, I've been reading. I've been meaning to read Doors of Perception since I heard about it. Yeah, Doors of Perception is really good. Um, I'm a big Huxley fan. I really do love Brave New World. But, same, same. Um, it's is it? I think it's Thomas Wolfe, and he is following around Ken Kesey, author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm. as he like retrofits a bus. And they are driving driving across country to try to meet Timothy Leary. <laughs> and within it as well is the the bus driver is Neil Cassidy, who was most well known for as being the inspiration for uh, one of the characters in Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Okay, okay. Um, and he was a fucking insane person. Yeah. Like, I... I love On the Road, and it is mainly because of how insane his character is in that so, book. I, I know you're a fan of William S. Burroughs already. Um, yes. I know that. And just the way you're talking about this, is that kind of like like those kind of like LSD, acid, those guys, this is kind of like a, like a, a genre of like literature you, you are really into, I'm, I'm getting? Not necessarily. Like, I really enjoyed... Um, the beats when I got introduced to them. I read the Dharma yeah. Bums first. Well, I mean, I guess I, I did see Naked Lunch and like knew of William S. Burroughs and other things before that. But in college, a girlfriend handed me Dharma Bums. Okay. You know, and you're like, I'm automatically in love with you. And you hand me a book <laughs> and I'm like, this is life changing. Yeah. Uh, but it's all about like half of it's like about hiking a mountain. Okay. And uh, the, the concept of you can't fall down a mountain. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it just kind of like got me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's I could it's I could prove I could prove that wrong. I could prove that. It's wrong. It's an interesting theory. Uh, <laughs> but it's it it kind of got me into that like group of artists. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Not Burroughs, but the one who wrote How, Allen Ginsberg. Uh, See, all these other people you know all these names i, I think that means you are <laughs> a fan of this sort of i, like, I do enjoy all the beats but like yeah. all the psychedelic stuff i was i was never like really i don't want to say invested but like seeking it out okay it was kind of Fair like enough. oh neil cassidy was the bus driver like i gotta read this gotcha. and it's just so insane there's a lot of like just fascinating stories about like the uh devil's angels being part of it and like they had this giant vat of kool-aid laced with acid the hell's angels like, or devil, is that devil's angels something else the hell's uh, hell's angels yeah okay. 
uh, you know, like the biker group. Yeah, and yeah. they're at this they're at this party, and like you know, they're all getting fucked up on acid. There's a girl in the corner, and they're just like the Hell's Angels are just running a train on her. <laughs> She's loving it the whole time. And in regards to them, yeah, in regards to them, I have read some uh, Hunter S. Thompson. So like I, I, I haven't dipped, read that I've one. dipped a small toe into it. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, incredible book. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you can just find any of his like his articles are are mostly pretty great too. Um, fascinating guy, but uh, that's like I guess the closest I've come to read to getting into that sort of movement. Um, and then John Waters. I mean, like we talked to John Waters recently. Huge LSD True. guy. <laughs> Huge LSD person. And it's something I've never done. Mushrooms yeah. are like the highest psychedelic that I've oh, ever done. I've, I've and it's something like that's the one psychedelic. I've I would done. be, I would be interested in trying it, but yeah. I've never been offered. I took or like had I, the opportunity. I took what I was told was half a dose, and we went on a hike uh, through the Ho National Rainforest in Seattle, and one of the most beautiful days of my life. Absolutely incredible. We were on the beach, um, the sand. I was looking at at the sand and the rocks. And I started to see an alien landscape instead. You know, something mm. like, you know, in Star Trek where he fights the lizard guy, the Gorn? Like, oh, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. it started to look like that to me. Like all all of the, the pebbles on the beach formed a whole world I was looking at. And then uh, walking around, touching trees, looking up at trees, seeing the texture of things. Like, that moment in this movie when the the, the walls are, the red walls start like melting, melting? into goo. Ooh, I so had a cool. similar sort of, like, visual when I was on LSD. Uh, it wasn't right. quite that intense, and I, thankfully, I never had like a bad trip. I never got to the point of a bad trip. I also had a, like I said, a half dose, so I don't think I micro dosing. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But I had a great time with it. So that's the one time I've done it, and I really enjoyed it. I'd I'd be intrigued. Uh, but this this movie is like what I imagine what like taking acid would feel like. Right, like that melting walls. Uh, there's a couple other spots that are really uh, one of the ones the biggest thing that i love about this movie is uh at the end after dr barry nye nile yeah nile has like completed ego death yes and he's like completely transformed he's in the car and it's dark and then we cut to him interacting with his like own consciousness basically yeah, yeah. which he which cosmodos repeats this for mandy there's a, there's almost an identical yes. scene in mandy yeah. at the end of mandy right because right. which mandy, is all like smiling yeah. at nick cage and you, get, you yeah. get the famous nick cage that. the bloody nick cage face yeah 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 honestly with that one i i almost only think about the nick cage and tidy whitey scene like that's one Love of it yeah that's the so thing that good. always sticks with me and just yeah. the the rage that he has. Mandy is fucking amazing, especially, I mean, my love for only grew watching this. Cause like, I was like, Oh, this is what Mandy is. What stripped of like the emotional center. Um, you know, there's an emotional core. It's not as, it's not, no, not as developed or like, I think, um, as nowhere near as effective in this one i would say mandy right because nick nicholas cage is such a great silent performer and he's got so yeah. little lines in that um and angela and uh angela riceborough right andrea yeah. riceborough andrea andrea yes i was gonna say angela mm-hmm. andrea uh both academy of them, award I, nominee yeah i would say both of them are fucking powerful silent performers and so they bring like a life to those characters even when they're not saying anything and then when the, the mm-hmm. brief the time they are together in the beginning, it, you really care for them in the in that first chunk. So 
one of her best scenes, I think, is like she's fucked up on acid or, or you know, some other hallucinogen. Yeah. And the cult leader, like, shows her his tiny penis and she just yes. starts laughing at him. Oh, my God. One of the greatest. Yeah. And that, that, yeah. Too, that cult leader, he's so much like Barry Nile. They're such similar characters. Um, I think, like, I mean, honestly, this to me feels like a test run for Mandy in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was reading a lot of the themes is about control. And that yeah. is a lot of this movie is that Elena is in this institute. We we come to see she's like telepathic or telekinetic, something psychically, um, you know, she could be the next step in human evolution. She's right. able to like interact with her father who's like at a distance away. She's able to touch a TV screen and watch different channels and it seems to be the only way that she knows of society is through television, which is extremely relatable to me. <laughs> yeah, hey, I didn't even think about that. That's cool. But yeah. she focuses on a cartoon, like an old like Charles Flesher style cartoon. Yes. I couldn't tell if it was a real one or made for this movie or not. Um, it it did not. It to me, it seemed like it was made for this. It did not seem like Skinnamarink, where they're just going. Hey, can I get uh what doesn't what's it called like in free domain? Oh, public like, domain. Doesn't have rights. Yeah. Public domain, right. Like let's just get the oldest cartoons we can right and put them in our movie cuz we're not going to have to pay anybody for I, it. I was thinking he if he made for him he also made Cheddar Goblin for Mandy, so you know. Yeah. You know, high the highest of high arts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh so Dr. Barry Nile is continuously interrogating Elena. Uh, she is pretty much catatonic, non-silent, not responsive. And he says to her, this is always the highlight of my day. Really fucked up. We come to learn throughout... Uh, not It's not even exposition. What would you say is the opposite of exposition? Because it's just showing us everything. Visual exposition? I mean, yeah, it's exposition through visuals, right? Yeah. Through, yeah. Is that he is uh, sexually obsessed with her right is keeping her locked away using the institute's resources to study her maybe prod her it's not explicitly told if it if he's if like he going is sexually with abusing it. her right yeah it's uh, i don't know like yeah it, or if it's in his mind that that's what he wants to do and he's he's continuously getting towards that line right. that but is he, going to happen. He does tell her you look more like your mother every day, which is uh yeah. in the context of the whole story is very upsetting. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, but he uh, basically not he, a... Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to he hints at a photo under her bed of uh of her mother. Of later on, yeah. Uh he's not a very good husband either. He goes home to meet his wife Rosemary and she says if you're hungry there's some brown rice and steamed asparagus in the fridge. And he is just, he is so like dismissive, like, oh, great, that sounds really delicious. (sighs) (laughs) Um, He goes and takes like 20 pills at one time. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but the pharmacy's name was Benway, which is a reference to something we may talk about later on this month. I, I saw that in the trivia. Yeah, yeah. So, so keep that, keep that in mind. Uh, we have all the television stuff. Yeah, the the weird thing about, like, you know, Barry is saying, you look, you know, I'm sorry you couldn't meet your mother, but you're just as beautiful, you're as desirable as her. It's very off-putting. And yeah, he tells her to look for a picture. She can't actually meet her father. 
he gives some excuse like the the sickness of the world, but right. it is obvious that he is just keeping her from him because of his own purposes and wants desires. Something I appreciated about it is because they start around here, according to my notes, but there's a lot of fades to red, which is not something you see in movies a whole lot. Um, but it's it's trippy and like something about the fades of red, it makes this have a whole like kind of MTV music video feel to it as well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Which I really I really like that as a weird choice, just that fades to red. They use it a lot. There's like 30 of them throughout this. We also keep cutting to something that's pretty important. I, I think I understand what it's doing, but there's a glowing triangle somewhere in this in this building. Yes. Um, and it seems to yes. change colors at different points. And, like, it changes the color of the entire building, it seems like. Yeah. It seems to be a way to psychically control Elena. To, like, that's, strip yeah, that's her of her I, powers. Yeah, that's what I gathered. Yeah. To sedate her in some way. Because there are times where he'll just, like, turn it off and she has her psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. There is the nurse who finds the weird vagina drawings that seems like, again, like, it's very weird. It could be abuse, could be plans of abuse, but she fucks up by leaving cigarette ash. Yeah. And Barry finds it. And that's so a, he knows the jig is up. That's Rondell, Rondell? I don't know. He was, Rondell Re- Reynoldson as Margot is that nurse character. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, one thing I was going to say, you made me think of, Are do we know if Panos was a music video director? Doesn't seem because like it. Because this seems like, I think really? this is his, okay. I think this is his first directorial effort, but I could be wrong about that. Um, because I was, saying he's, saying, done, like, I was saying he's done some shorts. Music videos, like, yeah. cut to red. And it was like that, you know, like a, a Spike Jones or, you know, of these other people who get into it was were the daniels uh music video directors right like i feel yeah, like there's were. a lot of that like that's the almost the easiest way to transition into feature film like uh i looked at his I, his imdb at least uh he directed beyond the black rainbow 2010 2018 did mandy 2022 did an episode of guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities those are his okay. three directorial credits I'm gonna have to watch that then. I haven't seen any of those. Actually. Yeah, I've heard it's I've heard it's good. I've heard there's some good stuff in there. Um, and I love Del Toro, so I, I really do want to check that out. Uh, also, Cosmatos, looking at a picture of him for the first time, cool looking dude. Kind of looks like Peter Jackson a little bit. Um, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Like a more Italian Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was born in Rome, I, so yeah. that's what I read. Yeah, born in Rome. Um, there's the great, great scene where Barry gets a phone call. And it's all these weird static noises. <laughs> it's the and he's uh, like responding to it. It's the probe droid from Empire Strikes Back on the other end, basically. Yeah, it's almost like internet dial-up. Yeah, and then he like goes on the ground and looks. And I didn't notice this. <laughs> the, the phone first is time. unplugged. Yeah, the phone is unplugged. It's so good. <laughs> I love that. It reminds me. It's so do, fun. Do you remember the episode of The Simpsons with Gary Coleman? Um, when he's uh, I mean, I must have seen it. It's the one with the uh, oh, Funzo, the toy that they design by using the kids as like a oh, test yes. market. Yes, and then Gary Coleman is the company security guard, and he's on the That's phone. Right, he's That's arguing right. with like a, with a Chinese delivery thing, and he's like, "They said they told me a galaxy of prawns, three prongs, three uh, prawns is not a galaxy." And then Bart's like, "The phone's unplugged." <laughs> oh. oh man! So he's he's unhinged. Like we're we're discovering this more and more um this is also where he he notices the the ash that the nurse is like 
devised all his plans and that's when he gets upset and then takes a pill and that's when all the the walls behind him start melting such a cool visual it just really was effective it's awesome um there's something about the shade of red is so evocative to me um it actually does remind me of uh the last jedi the red of snoke's throne room it's such yeah it's such a deep crimson you know, his, I love it. Uh, his guard, royal guards, or whatever. Oh all yeah, big red. I'm they actually have a, they look, curious. They look like the automat- autonom- automatons, automatons. In, in, in this, they call them sentient. In this movie, yeah, sentient But they are yeah. basically automatons. Um, they have a great design. Love it. Yeah. But we're skipping over where uh, the nurse comes in to take the contraband photo that Barry left for her. Um, she's overly mean. It's weird. She seems like she seems like hesitant about the abuse thing, but then in her moment with Elena, like she automatically is abusive, takes right. the photo and like crumples it, and that's when Barry turns down the lighty pyramid, and Elena has with her full psychic powers can scanners her the nurses mind it just like it is like her face erupts in the blood yeah it's pretty wild it's like her eyeballs explode or something and it's just like pools of blood uh really cool visual that's when we get to see the sentianauts uh comes in she is almost comatose and they and i didn't get this the first time either but they inject her in the neck right with a tracking device ah okay okay that's what it is i yeah yeah that makes sense because later on there's like it it's glowing in her neck Mm -hmm. and that barry also has like a little beeping and then to talk about their design in my notes i described them as a bunch of red daft punks um which is what they look like yeah but they're kind of wearing what looks like a maybe like a motorcycle track suit like a motorcycle like you know what i mean it's called a track suit that's sort of like leather you know they, they wear yeah but it's like red and black and then these kind of cool, smooth helmets. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like this is a very low-budget movie, but they do a fucking fantastic job with the production design to make things look... Oh, totally. It looks low-tech in a way that works for the movie, for the setting and everything. 1983. Yeah. Right. Uh, but everything about it, like, the, the sets and the costumes are all really, really well-designed, and it, they all, like, mesh together perfectly well. Uh, it made me think of the spacesuit designs in 2001. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It has that kind of weird ribbing uh, idea. This is where Barry goes and actually visits Dr. Aboria, who seems to be just like blissed out. He is in some kind of room watching nature documentaries while he is just high as a kite. And actually, you know, wonders about Elena, how she is, wants to know... Barry's just like, yeah, fine, whatever. And this is where we get the flashback, which is phenomenal. So I want to say, too, it's not a nature documentary he's watching. It's a travel video for a hotel in Maui. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is. But he says, like, it's docu- like nature. Right, right. Ha. Yeah, because it is just about, yeah. It's like the video <laughs> in the beginning. It's just this yes. promotional video. Right, exactly. Hey, come to Hawaii. We have all these volcanoes. Um, I I just love this flashback. It, it It's cool. It was a little weird the first time I watched it. I read a little bit, 
And it's it's all in this weird black and white, but not really black and white. I mean, it's black and white, but you're not seeing everything. It, it's it's, it's super out. high contrast. Yeah. Right. Um, stylistically, I mean, as, I guess in the preface, stylistically, this thing is a knockout. Um, yes. It's cool. And it reminded me of two kids. So Barry crawls into a black dot of goo. Um, it reminded me that the credits are open like a, a dilating eye that is just like expanding yes. and then continuously again and again. eyes. And it just uh, keeps, yeah, going. The, the first track of the soundtrack is called continuously dilating eye or something like that. So like, um, Ooh. but that's what that reminded me of. I love the idea of you're crawling into the iris of an eye. You yes. know, to gain perception and to travel beyond human capabilities, which is cool. Uh, he comes out and he's got a third eye on his forehead. Yeah. Yep. They uh, give him some acid. Well, I was going to say about the just the, the style of it. It was like a, a memory that is like fading away. So you're only seeing like certain parts of the actual image. And it's like just kind of the bones of it. I thought that was just such a, yeah. a wonderful visual way to tell that idea. Uh, they give him the mind-altering, I'm assuming LSD or some drug like it. Yeah. He's got the third eye, but it's like liquid onto his tongue. He goes into this big black goop, and uh, Dr. Arboria tells him, bring home the mother load, Barry. I love that. That's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he experiences, I think this is where he experiences the full ego death. We see, like, his body completely destroyed. Right. And the psychedelic These are the best visuals of the movie. This is fucking amazing. My favorite shot is there's a skull that is, like, melting. It's a face melting. It's it's melting upwards. Yeah. Right? And then there's a fire burning inside of it. You can see it glowing out of the eyes. Uh, that is the best shot of the movie. This is where yeah. I, I wrote down, this is the greatest vaporwave screensaver ever made. Um, <laughs> which I think sums up the entire movie. Which I mean, I think so. Look, that's a little bit of a dig, but it really is fucking gorgeous. Like, I I, I do think Cosmatis has to be commended for this. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really stunning. Yeah. I think a lot of these, like, you could take a single frame... And like, if you did a painting version of it, you would oh, you yeah. could see a whole art gallery just full of like screenshots of this movie. Oh, totally just put up as, everywhere. As, as a visual stylist, like Cosmatos really fucking has something because like Mandy too has a lot of moments like that. Um, and this one is just like there's no narrative for this. There is a narrative going on here. Like Barry is experiencing ego death, like you said, and is tripping out and going. He's going beyond the black rainbow. Um, yes. So there is a narrative here, but it really is not what's important at this point. What is important is just the visuals and the effect Again, it has on you. Again, it's a vibes movie. Right. It's about yeah. how how it's supposed to make you feel. Mm-hmm. And so Barry comes out of this black goop. He's still covered in it. He vomits a bunch of it and then bites a lady's neck and kills her. Yeah. It is I just mean, kind of, you're like, okay, sure. I, mean, I think through context not? clues, we put together that this is Elena's mother. Um, yep, yep. That's what we find yeah. out. Uh, that Elena is Dr. Boria's daughter. He kills her. Barry kills Elena's mother. Dr. Boria comes in and is not very phased about it at all. Yeah. It he seemed to kind of expect this to happen. It's like, okay, well, maybe. And then his <laughs> next step is, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dip Elena in this black liquid. And yep. they don't show it. 
But do you think they gave this baby LSD before they did it? Oh, clearly. Yeah, I mean, it must have. Yeah, I think so. Um, honestly, she probably... I imagine the mother was also taking something. She probably was <laughs> was tripping before she was Most even likely. born in the womb. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I he God, I wish I had written on the line. Part of so part of my uh, as if you can't tell from me talking about this, I'm I'm not so hot on this movie. Overall, I think that like there's so much to like about it, but as an experience, it like was really tiring and really really hard to get through for me. Even as as much as I was appreciating the visuals and the soundtrack and everything. But um, part of this is because the version I was watching, I was watching for free on some app on my TV that I didn't even recognize. Um, <laughs> but uh, it had ads, which maybe hurt it a little bit. Mm. It also did not have a, a captioning as an option. Ah. And there's so much distorted dialogue in this and so much like Barry is constantly talking at a whisper, basically, just above a whisper, it, I would say. It's, it's like mumblecore. Right, yeah. and so it was really hard to get some of the dialogue. I had to rewind it a lot to be like, okay, what the fuck did he just say? And part of that happened here, but there was a line I really liked that I couldn't get the whole thing of because I just wasn't understanding part of it. But Dr. Aboria says, your mother's reabsorption into the life cycle is unfortunate. Uh, something like that. And then he goes on for some, he says something else, and he goes, you will be the dawning for a new era of the human race and the human soul. May the new age of enlightenment begin. There you go. Yes. And then dips her in. It's, yeah. Like it's... And then uh, nothing seems to happen. She's locked in an asylum for 20 plus years. <laughs> right. He, he, he blisses out. And this is when, like, Barry overdoses Dr. Boria. Mm-hmm. And it's very weird, too. Uh, Boria's like, I don't want it in my arm. Because he's going to get an injection Ooh, either yeah. way. Yeah. And so he wants it between his toes. Ugh. And Barry just gives him too much. He slips off into that great abyss watching uh maui resort video i do like the effect he uses to kind of like tell us that elena is feeling this too one we just get a cut to her gasping when the injection happens but then you have like his face in blue her face in red sort of like superimposed like next to each other and they kind of like bleed and cross over and like um it's just a cool way to show that she's also hearing and experiencing what he's experiencing right then She's got a psychic link to her, to her father. This is where we cut to the other person we have not mentioned. I mean, makes sense. This takes place in 1983. Of course, they're going to get Ronald fucking Reagan to be on <laughs> well, the television. Yeah. Well. Giving an anti-Soviet message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it primarily came from listening to so much Doughboys where they slip into this quite a bit. But um, I think... Any impersonation of any president is really funny. Like, all of them have such funny voices. They have all funny sound True. bites. Like, literally every not single one of it. them. Not gonna do it. You know, strategery. Just, like, everyone has their thing. You know, like, fucking Biden's got the, hey, come on, Jack. You know? like just, even Yeah, even Obama's got yeah, a, like, a, you know, well, exactly. uh, I thought I would do it. And yeah. We didn't do it. And We're going to. You know, yes, exactly, yeah. Everybody has their thing. It's so funny. But like Doughboys, they do them all, and they're all great. Like they did a they did a run recently. Even like they were doing Al Gore recently, and that was really funny. Ugh. Um, but I love presidential voices. They're just ripe for comedy. And Reagan has got one of the best ones. You know, Will Nancy. Yeah, it's because <laughs> he was the worst. He was the yeah. worst of them. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> 
this is when Barry goes home and we learn that like he is he was extremely altered from his experiences. <laughs> he apparently does not have any hair. It is one of the grossest things I've ever seen is when he takes the wig off. It's got like yeah. the glue or Yeah, that comes with that's it. On yeah. It. Uh-huh. And then he uses like pliers to pull his contacts out. It's fucking crazy. He, he does something else to it first and yeah. then like and then takes little like it's like uh, pinching, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was what contacts were like in the 80s, but I wear contacts now and I don't have to use any kind of other tool to remove them. Well, it, it seems like his whole eye is black, so it right. seems it has to be a a ginormous contact to cover it all. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a fucked up look. It's... Have you ever, uh, he's, yeah, so he's completely bald and hairless with these giant eyes. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Blue Sunshine? No. Uh, it's actually something I could pick for this month, but I, I spoiler alert, I did not. Um, but it's a 70s movie about uh, these people that in college took a drug called Blue Sunshine that is having this delayed effect of making them go f- fucking insane after developing alopecia and so it's kind of like okay. a corporate conspiracy sort of thing and it's trying to figure out okay well who sold who was selling this lsd called blue sunshine in like the 60s and um who took it and like you know what's behind it all it's not a great movie uh, it's fine but the, the look of everybody from? i feel like it's late 70s is when this came out okay but the look of all the people who took blue sunshine they all develop alopecia and like have this just kind of like freaky bald look um and they look so so similar to uh to barry at the end of this movie uh it's 1977 okay i think it's a, i think it's a canadian i think it's yeah i believe it's canadian um jeff star Lieberman wars is the director yeah yeah but yeah it was it's it's all right i think it's worth checking out um and uh i i am very curious as as to if, if cosmatos was inspired for this one well, I mean, he we've seen the physical look, but then he puts on a really cool outfit, too. Yeah, he does, yeah. It, it's like the black version of the automaton-type uh, look. And goes and talks to his wife, Rosemary, and she's surprised. She hasn't seen him without his quote-unquote appliances yeah. in so long. And uh, he tells her, you're less than nothing. And, like... Puts his thumb through her eyes. Well, I mean, After this is talking where he, about the black rainbow. That's the thing. Idea. This is this is one of the scenes where I really wanted to get these lines down because like he fucking drops the title, but I could not understand what he was saying at this point. <laughs> like it's, uh, I think that is the one of the big issues with me is is like a lot of the dialogue is just inconsequential to any yeah. of it. Like beyond the black rainbow means almost nothing. Well, even uh, after listening to his speech. I mean, okay, so I was trying to think of the meaning of the title, and obviously a rainbow is, like, it's a spread out, it's all, it's the entire spectrum of visual sight, right? Like, all of our visuals, everything is comprised of those seven colors, you know? And you put them all together, and you get white, black is the absence of them. So if black is the absence of color and reality, the black rainbow is opposed to, like, color rainbow it's like this sort of dark version of what we see and experience right going beyond that it's just a really fancy way of saying you're going way beyond what the human psychology can understand um i have transcended everything that has come before me 
Right, and not, but not physically. just the rainbow. Like, you know, beyond the rainbow is, like, you know, the reference to Wizard of Oz, and it's, like, um, uh, I guess it's over the rainbow, but similar idea, I suppose, right? Yeah, but close. it's just, yeah. this idea of you're going to a place you can't, you literally cannot imagine or fathom, and the black rainbow just adds, like, a black metal or, like, a hardcore side to it, like an edgy side to it, you know? Honestly, it's probably more a, a Kermit rainbow connection reference <laughs> if you think about it okay yeah i've, I've sure. gone beyond the black rainbow piggy yeah oh piggy yeah <laughs> so yeah he he kills her and at the same time it is elena is escaping from her room she's hiding from the automatons and we actually see one of their faces do, do you think professor it, you think professor honeycut like is bald <laughs> and hairless because of his experiences in the Arboreum? Uh, you mean honeydew Honeydew, it's I'm sorry, honeydew, yes. Honeydew yeah. and Beaker. Mm-hmm. Oh, I watch a lot of Muppets, even I, now. I know, I, I know you're I a bigger Muppet a fan than I am, yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm a latecomer to the Muppets. It was not something I really watched much as a kid. Yeah, I really like that child's face in the... What do they call it? Sentianaut? Is that what the they sen- refer the, to yeah, it sen- 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 Sentianaut, yeah, exactly. Sentianauts, yeah. Uh, it's just such a weird fucking I, image. Yeah, I do like that, yeah, totally. And that she's she's able to, like... I don't know the best way to describe this. Not project herself, but like hide herself from right. them. Uh, she encounters to, like, elude a, them before the sentient. She encounters a zombie in a room. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the fuck that is about. There's just a zombie in a room. It's like a corpse, and then she has to run from it. And then and she, I do like the image of like once she gets away from it, and like the glass plate yeah. comes between them, and the zombie is still like licking. <laughs> The glass, yeah. like, trying to get out of uh, it. But she, she kind of just, like, travels through a series of shapes, you know? Like, there's, like, yeah. there's a weird yellow cube that she, like, goes through to escape the zombie. We see um, more of the triangle. There's a really cool... Yeah, but there's a really cool, like, vertical shaft that she has to, like, go around. Yeah. That then has those, like, rainbow-colored pipes. Right. Which That's I just was, a really uh, cool image. I was seeing that shaft thing, apparently, is a reference to Dark Star. There's a scene in Dark Star where I think it's Dan right. Bannon has to like right. walk across an edge of the shaft. Yeah. Uh, because of the, the weird beach ball alien. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I love Dark Star. That, that, that's a movie where I watched it and I did not really get it. I was like, what the fuck sure. is this? Like, I wasn't hating it, but I was like, I really don't understand what is the deal with this movie. And I literally was thinking about it a lot. And then I started listening to the Blank Check episode about it. And the way they were talking about it, I was like, hold on, I'm going to fucking pause this and watch this again. And I did. And the second watch, I was like, oh, I love this. Like, this is just something talking about a vibe movie. Um, it is. That is, yeah. that is one that like on the second watch, really understanding the vibe of it. I was like, OK, this is fucking great. Um, maybe it's a similar thing with this one. Maybe if I get this another shot, I, I would appreciate it a lot more. Even I did watch Dark Star twice, and I'm more of like your opinion right now of Beyond the Black Rainbow. I'm like, right. I like there's a lot, not the visuals necessarily. It's more like the tone of the comedy I'm yeah, really yeah. into. But Same. a lot of it, I'm like, I don't know if you you actually do pull it off. But like, yeah. bravo Carpenter for doing it. That's the thing. Here's the thing. And, I think and that's, Obanion coming. I was up gonna say, it. I think it's more of an Obanion movie than Carpenter. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's probably pretty equal, but like I think O'Bannon really took ownership of it, and I see a lot more of his voice in that movie than I do Carpenter. Yeah, 
Carpenter is just like the director and he's able yeah. to like know where to put the camera, how to but tell also, it visually. <laughs> but also knowing his sense of humor, like it, some of his sense of humor does bleed, uh, bleed through into that. And then when you hear him in interviews mm-hmm. talk, you're like, yeah, this is the kind of weird stoner I can imagine making Dark Star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have her go through her garden and then she sees outside for the first time, which is, you know, real nice. It's someone who's been captured their whole life like finally getting to experience like real life in the actual world part of my thing with this movie is that elena as a character she has like what one line of dialogue when she asks to see her father earlier yeah um i mean not that dialogue makes character or anything but i felt so little for the we're talking about drive how many lines does ryan gosling have right but like but he's but as a as a the way he's shot and the longing looks between him and Carrie Mulgan and that one, you know what I mean? Like really tell you right. a lot. The focus on his face when he is doing the titular driving, um, you know, there's more for him to do. I would say Elena is not given much to do as a character except for kind of walk around and then be in distress every now and then. And so when she gets outside and sees the sky for the first time, it doesn't land like I think it's supposed to. This is there's not just no mo- emotion. Yeah, Cosmos can it, do right. can do great characterization. He does this with Mandy later, where you really fucking care about Mandy, even though she's got very little dialogue and like sort of plays a similar role of being just this kind of like object of desire for like an egomaniacal, you know, kind of like control freak. Um, so I don't know. But I'm still I still, I still like, like the actress. Yeah, I like it that you know even with seeing like escaping and seeing the real world for the first time she's not as like emotionally as affected as you would be like you expect her to be like Andy Dufresne at the end of Shawshank Redemption like you <laughs> well, know, that would be out, a little rain. that would be a little overboard but sure yeah right right but like you know it's i think it's great that it's muted and that she's still having to like i I've, yeah. I've got to get out of here I've it's it's more something. the soundtrack the soundtrack is doing more of the work there than the actor i would say oh yeah 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 which is fine. That's a totally viable way of doing it, yeah. Barry goes full creep mode and comes into her room and, like, sniffs the bed, which is just like, all right, <laughs> that's a choice. Um, and uh, I love, I already talked about it, but I do love, love, love Barry in the car and the other Barry. I didn't even yeah. really say, like, the, the normal Barry. It's, like, bright white everywhere around him and then it cuts yeah. to and it's uh, fucked up uh you know bald berry and it's dark outside right so it's like a great contrast between them his car is fucking cool too i will say it is love his car Brittany was like is that a delorean i was like i i don't think so but like it's similar cool. era of car though yeah. it's cool like it yeah uh we have the two bonfire chads which <laughs> kind of i love this no i love uh, this is fun <laughs> i like this a lot yeah they're both really bad people, it seems, and so we're okay with them both dying. They they look like the guys from American Movie, <laughs> like almost identical <laughs> to them. Mark Borchardt and Mike, um, I can't remember what Mike's last name is, but they're great. They're drinking out of beer cans that literally just say beer on them, um, which in all likelihood is reference to Repo Man, which is a movie I fucking right. love. Oh, uh, ordinary came, fucking I, people came out the same year as uh, this is set 1993 okay yeah okay i love that uh yeah so the the one skinny one who's like obviously the alpha is like <laughs> i'm gonna go take a piss and then the beta is like well thanks for telling me 
and then gets abused and just like thrown yep. like, beer cans and shit at. I love that. One guy gets stabbed through the mouth, like the the throat thing, which is happens in John Wick. It's true, it and does. it hap- it happened in um, what did we just watch? Somebody got uh, maniac the maniac remake. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, the the first kill in the Maniac remake, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and hot fuzz. So it's a hot fuzz. The the <laughs> well, yeah. To, to he doesn't die. He doesn't die. Right. Dalton. That's yeah. so funny, though. I love I that love, little. Bit. The first time I remember the first time watching it, my dad is like, "That wouldn't kill him. Like that. He's not, like that. Wouldn't like, my dad was like mad at it." And then it reveals he's alive. My dad started laughing so hard. Yeah. Like I mean, I did too, um, obviously, but yeah. Just just randomly, one of my favorite moments in that movie is after the Romeo and Juliet actors <laughs> die. Yeah. And he comes driving in and is like, you know, asking about it, you know, very shortly. But then they start playing the Dire Straits Romeo and Juliet song. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. As he drives away. It's just so, like, so there's Edgar a lot Wright of great. Brilliant with music. I love There's it a so lot much. of uh, great little jokes in relation to the Romeo and Juliet stuff. So there's posters on the shop window when he first gets to town of the two mm-hmm. actors, the ones that get killed, right? Advertising Romeo and Juliet coming up. After they die, they mention part of their grievances was like, oh, we have two actors in town that would have been better parts. It's the the two um, the two owners of the pub, right? They're like, oh, right. I was he was an extra in straw, or it's not the owners of the pub. It's just the randoms in town. Like he was an extra in straw dogs, and she put a cadaver in something, right? So after the couple <laughs> dies, you see the posters are replaced with them in the new parts as Romeo and Juliet. It's never commented on. It's never pointed yeah. out. But they they get the roles after the other people die, and then. At the end of the movie, when he's coming into town and he shoots those two people, they have very over-the-top, overacted, like, falling-down scenes because they're actors. It's like, yeah, it's never commented on. It's not pointed out. It is such brilliant, brilliant visual, like, storytelling and jokes. That attention to detail. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So Barry captures the, the fat beta of the chads and is basically <laughs> interrogating him like where is she i know you fucked her like type of, of dialogue it's, it's almost like a weird like planet of the apes like style of title the beta of the chads <laughs> beyond the black rainbow the beta of the chads it's like a it's like a weird it's, it's gonna a be story. Like, like yeah the sequel novelization of the movie exactly yes oh my god uh and then he just stabs the fat one like in the mouth yeah insane kill i really love after that one. after being like you fucked her over and over right yeah and then it's uh very weird he like meets elena it's a, such an anticlimactic ending <laughs> this is one of the things i really have a problem with like it made me laugh a so little much something though. more yeah it's like he basically confronts elena and they're just standing kind of apart from each other and I don't know, it didn't, even watching twice, I could not tell, like, is it her using her psychic ability? I think it must be, yeah. Because, like, there's, like, roots or something, and his foot gets caught in it, and then all of a sudden, like, as he tries to take a walk, he just plants sideways, and he hits his head on a rock. Dead instantly. <laughs> that's it, that's all you need. Well, it's... The, time, the timing it's, of it is very comedic. It, it's Yeah, it is. It's hilarious, yeah. You know, it is one of those things of, like, how uh, delicate we all actually are of, like, a simple trip and fall 
And it's like, yeah, you, forever. you transcended time and space and you've gone any, you've gone further mentally than any human being ever. And it's like, but oh, fuck, my foot got caught and I died hitting a rock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to me, it's, it's such a great undercutting of his character, just like in Mandy with the tiny dick thing. He's got yeah. this long protracted speech about how great he is and how, you know, oh, I'll give you eternal Superior. bliss. And I'll, I'm so, yes, exactly. And then he pulls out his dick and it's small and she laughs at it and he's like, shut the fuck up like you know fuck you yeah. you bitch yeah uh it's it, i i really liked it it is so jarring though it is a very jarring moment um so i, I i'm kind of split on it like i don't know i feel like i like it now but in the moment i was like what the fuck are you like what just <laughs> yeah. happened yeah it's i i would have been like maybe we should do another like round of writing just like give some more ideas let's just I think you can, I think you can make it wall. I think you can make it a we'll, little we'll more clear a dart. right it could I think be better I think you could make it a little more clear that it's her doing it right because yeah. I got the idea that she's like keeping his foot in place as he's trying to move and he just like his weight just like sends him over because his foot's not moving you know what I mean um but the it's you have the roots and so I thought too did he just trip like the yeah. fuck just happened but um, it, I it think it's one of the it. very few cases of like show don't tell maybe not like completely works. Yeah, exactly. You maybe need to yeah. tell us like a little bit to right. just like make sure we understand it. Um, and then she walks into suburban life, which is even scarier than everything she's she's been through. That's so like, yeah, she's gonna biggest, have to yeah. she's gonna have to get a career, get a credit card. <laughs> You know. She uh, walks towards the one house with the TV on, which is pretty telling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're probably watching Reagan more than yeah. likely. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you saw, but there is an after credit scene as well. I did see it. I, I mean, of course, I let it run because the, the music was so good during the credits. So I was Music's like, I want great. to listen to everything. Yep. And then it is a almost Skinnamarinkian <laughs> vibe. I love I, that term. Skinnamarinkian um, of uh, a close-up of a toy that looks like the sentient automatons yeah. on a carpet, and then you just hear, like, really, really in the background, like a child's voice almost saying, "Do you read? Do mm. you read?" I missed that part. And actually. then it ends. I yeah. just the toy. I only got that because of the actual subtitles. So, right. so what do you think the toy means? That there's a toy of Ascension on? Like, what, what is that telling us? I think that is... None of this has been real, and this is all, like, the imagination of a child or something similar, and that it is, like, using a single toy to tell a story. Right. And, you know, like, that's, the fact that's that... That's all I've gotten from it. The, 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 the face of... The um, uh, what do you call it? Senshinot when he takes the mask off, and it's like a fucked up child. Yeah, that it's to like me blue relates to some frozen. Way. Yeah, but I was thinking if if like because I had the same idea. Maybe this isn't. Maybe this isn't real. It's all a hallucination of a child. It could be like the Senshinot is a version of a of uh of Elena child. or of Elena okay. of like her imagining herself. Maybe when she was younger and a kid, she had this toy, and she imagined herself as this thing. Look, I really have no idea. Um, I You're don't not know supposed what to it's know. saying. It could just also mean that the world 
of uh, the Aboria Institute, something about it bled into the outside world too, where sentinels were just a known thing. Or maybe the world itself is populated by sentinels. Maybe they're a form of control in this world that we just like, you know, on in a in a grander sense. Maybe they're not exclusively, you know, Aboria Institute things. I, I really have no idea. Maybe kind of a weird thing. We need a sequel. A little, you know, a little kid, you know, got into their parents' acid drawer or whatever. Like, yeah, ate a a sugar cube that they shouldn't have, and then are playing with their toy on the carpet. Right, and then Skinamarink happens, and you're like, "Oh my god, um, where are my I, toilets?" <laughs> I was seeing uh, that Cosmatos, like he stated that, like you know, obviously he said both of his parents' artistic uh, ventures influenced this one. Yes, um, this movie kind of has like a a story about two lost parents because, like, uh, I, it, George Cosmatos died in 2005. And his mother died in, like, 98 after a battle of breast cancer. And so there is this disconnect where, like, he lost his mother and then his father was single for a bit. Also lost his father. And I could see maybe this being about absentee parents. Not in an absentee in the way that, you know, they're not around, but just the fact that they are gone. And you're, you're processing that, you know what I mean? And you have this controlling figure in... uh and Barry, that is sort of sublimating that parental role for Elena, you know, and kind of twisting it and perverting it um, in a way. I am just freehanding, freewheeling right now. I have no idea sure. what I'm trying to say. I'm just talking stuff out. It's but, like jazz, you know, we're just kind right. of going as we do. It, it, it is interesting. I was reading like he he these deaths really affected him and he like was taking some time was like maybe getting a little too much into alcohol but like this was kind of a way for him to try to process the yeah. emotions of of yeah of, of losing parents of trying to go beyond what they give you yes and, and, totally. and that's the thing and... that they're both artists and he wants to incorporate both of their artistic styles Again, the popcorn flicks versus the, like, weird, um, artistic, like, uh, avant-garde type of ideas into one coherent thing. This may not be as coherent as we want, but maybe to him, this is a coherent story. Yeah, and there is something to the idea that, like, um, this idea of, like, gener- of these different generations, where the generation of, like, this, you know, it's the 60s that whole flashback and it's these people that are like oh we're on the forefront of something great right um uh, we're hippies we have this whole peace movement going on science is evolving the space race yes and we have we're holding the next generation in our hands being like you guys are going to be great you guys are going to have so many tools at your disposal you're going to have like you know all these great ideas and concepts and technologies that we're developing for you. You're going to radicalize the world and, and change everything and everything's going to be cool. But instead we are locked in a room with a TV instead of parents, you know what I mean? And, uh, we yeah. end up actually basically doing nothing with it. We still have this great potential inside of us, but something about the, we're all locked in a cage, you know, the, we're all the locked structure. In a, Yes, that we're exactly. inside, yeah, is hindering us. It's we're, um, we're, all, I, we're all kept captive by drugs and TV, you know. <laughs> I you know I think it's very interesting that they they said it at this time again with Reagan, but it also it felt like that was when America was kind of kicking into overdrive. This like we are the fucking greatest of all yeah. time. 
everyone else can eat our fucking shit, you little pansies. We're that bright, <laughs> shining city on the hill. And it is just like, you know, where do you go from there? Like, if you grow up thinking, like, America is the greatest country in the mm-hmm. history of civilization, what do you do? Like, you just get depressed, watch TV, eat fo- fatty foods, you know, take a bunch of drugs. And right. you don't actually accomplish or reach that fullest potential because yeah. you are being hindered by society and the cage that it's wrapping you in. You you are being hindered by guys with major insecurity issues, you know, who are threatened by your powers and I want to keep you as docile as possible because they're also totally. like sexually attracted to you and uh, you know, I, I don't and, know. And a lot of the counterculture <laughs> thing of like, oh my god, I want to be with these fucking hippie women, but they yeah. don't like me because I'm such a square. So fuck them, they're sluts and yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, hey man, shit! Classic case of talking this out. There's way I knew more it. Appreciate. Oh, God damn it! I knew it. It happens every time. Look, I can't forget though as we roll into final thoughts how arduous I did find actually watching <laughs> this. So like, I have to keep that in mind. I have to keep that in mind. Uh, okay, let's final thoughts. What are we gonna write this out of? Uh, automatons, not that great. Weird white triangle pyramids. Steamed asparagus. Uh, Brown rice and steamed asparagus. Yeah, it's up to you, man. Uh, uh, you, you got I like all of Barry's these. wigs. You got, you got devil's the devil's teardrop, which is the knife he uses. Yeah. That's what it's called, apparently. How about third eyes? Okay, I like that. Yeah, sure. I like third that because yeah. that's what Barry has. As a kid, uh, uh, I, so as a kid from watching a lot of Dragon Ball Z, I was in love with the idea of a third eye in your forehead. Mm-hmm. It's just something I really thought was great. And so it's just been a concept I've always, I love seeing that visually. I can see that character, but I can never remember his name. Uh, Tension Han. Okay. Or Tien, I think as I call them in the show. Ah, yeah. okay. So I, I did really enjoy this movie. I think it is a vibe. It's, it's verging on pretty good but not great territory. I think, as we've talked about, there there maybe needed to be a little bit more telling. It's all show, and it, it could help to to tell a little bit, to give us something, to have a, 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 a nice solid thread throughout it for, like, the weird zombie thing. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, why is the nurse hesitant about... Uh, Barry, like, psycho-sexualizing her, but then is still also abusive herself. Yeah. But it it makes up in just the atmosphere, the tone. That flashback is one of the best flashbacks I've ever seen in a movie. I think it has done so well in just the idea of it being like the high contrast, the fact that it feels like a memory that is like partially faded away and you're just, you're trying to hold on to it. Um, him coming out of the black goop and throwing up like tremendous amounts of it is just so striking. Uh, I really, I really, really enjoyed that part. I, like I said, I think it comes really close. There's a lot of really good, ideas and themes about like potential the potential that we all have like can we exceed it actually um what are we trying to control in life is that what all life is about 
is having the control to of what you you work with work, who you work with and the idea that maybe maybe drugs can help us like exceed these ideas hmm. of of our actual potential uh it comes to 3.8 third eyes for me uh, i really enjoy it i like uh, again the the music and the sound design elevate this so much more than than what it really is just the visuals but like with that extra little mm, it gives you yeah I, i'm really there for it i, I want to see his other uh what you might call it the cur- curiot of cabinet of curiosities of, yeah that's it yeah <laughs> um fantastic uh i uh wait what are we writing out of already forgot uh third uh, eyes third eyes yes of course <sighs> talking about it there are there is so much to appreciate here and like i cannot overstate how much i do love the visuals it's it's so grainy i was saying they shot it on 35 millimeter which is great because he was just trying to yeah. like, achieve the effect of the, of the films that inspired him and um i love God. this idea that like it's this very interesting like vhs infomercial look and sound um i love distorted mm-hmm. voices that is just something like you know technologically scrambled voices like it's just something that like hits a pleasure center in my brain um however it just made it really difficult to ascertain what the fuck was even being said most of the time in this movie um, sorry you made me think of something I, I wanted to bring it up real quick did you see like his inspiration for this movie was like i want it to create like a movie that didn't exist yeah like, like based like off the vhs's through... right right yeah like you would walk through the blockbuster and you'd be like oh of course this is a movie but you never actually saw it and he's just trying to recreate this idea yes so i i love that i love that as an idea i i think that he is an incredible visual artist and like clearly has really fascinating ideas going on i just don't think it coalesces into a satisfying viewing experience i think it's something to, to talk about like we did it's great there's a lot to discuss and a lot of elements of that that you know lead to really good ideas and dis- and things like that but uh just as an experience watching it there were times where i'm like oh i love this this visual is awesome and then maybe 30 seconds later i mean like we're still fucking looking at this like <laughs> we're still watching her walk down this hallway and she's like doubled and kind of like fading in and out and like that goes on for so long and um it does not need to be an hour and 50 minutes like it's it's a lengthy experience yes like, yes I, I think you could get so much of this across by cutting out at, at the very least 15 minutes of it and i i totally agree with that yeah um but i think there's a lot to appreciate and talking about it it's like okay yes it was a very tough watch but there's clearly a lot of really great intent here and a lot of promise for george Co- uh, panos cosmonov sorry um i just think that it really coalesces in mandy mandy is where he comes into his own and like he visualizes and um puts he has the story in mandy to go along with his his visuals um and look this is not going for a typical narrative so it's not even something i can like get mad at you know what i mean it's the thing i wasn't mad when i finished watching this movie i was just like well i am so much more tired now than i than i was when i started this and i felt my impatience really kicking in during it and um i watched it more about me than anything yeah my second time and we got about like 
maybe 25 minutes in and Brittany was like i think i'm just gonna go take a nap actually yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's that's the thing is that like uh i just it's hard for me to say like oh yeah, people should watch this because it's like there's so many people that are not going to enjoy this at all um i gave it two on letterbox but i'm gonna bump it up i'm gonna round it up to like out uh 2.8 third eyes like Man, I, I feel cruel going below three, but it's just like I had to be true to what I felt as I was watching it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. say what you want afterwards, but the actual experience of watching it for me was pretty tough. And so I got to just speak my truth, you know? And I feel that. I usually, like, round up on Letterboxd, and I'm like, it's not a four. It's cl- it's yeah. coming close. It's a, To me, it's above a 3.75, but it's just like, you're not, you're not getting that, like, you're really good. You're gonna, yeah. I'm going to watch this again. What I'll, what I'll say, too, I think the performers are all fine. I don't think any performance stands out to me as like, oh, this acting performance here. Oh, this is great. Like The guy who plays Barry is, is interesting. But like I said, I can't really understand most of his fucking dialogue. Yeah. And so there's not enough of each of them, I feel like. I like I like Barry when he's mad at yeah. Rosemary and he's you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Right. I'm not. It's, hungry, and, you know? and it's like he does. Yeah, that um, flashback is cool, but I, I kind of feel nothing when she dies, the mother. And then I kind of felt nothing yeah. when Rosemary died. I was just like, okay, yeah, they're dead. All right, yeah. he's killing people now. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I feel like he has the best stuff acting-wise. I mean, because Elena's, like, almost catatonic throughout most of it. She has, like, one or two scenes where she's really scared or we're even getting, like, close-ups of it. Uh, Rosemary's like, again, just very zonked out. So is Dr. Aboria. But Barry has those great scenes where uh, he finds out, like, the nurse's cigarette ash. And he's, like, going, he's doing that kind of crazy thing and then takes the pill and relaxes. And right. you're more drawn to the, the the walls behind him. But his face is really interesting in that, yeah. in that space. Totally. So, uh... Uh, this is a, I could try, I could see myself giving this another go in the future. And look, I right. I also didn't like Mandy as much the first time I watched it, and it took me like two three watches to like be like, oh, I love this. And so it, it's possible that's just something that is like maybe that's just a deal of Cosmatos. You got to just like really it live in it be. longer. Uh, Mandy, I was so confused by a lot of it, and I think I wanted it to be like actually supernatural. Uh-huh. And it was just like, oh, these are just like guys well, who took is. too much acid, right? Well, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a little debatable. It's who, it's kind of mysterious in that way, but yeah. sure, um, yeah. I love it because like that to me too. That brings in this really cool like pulp fantasy element that it blends it with the heavy metal sensibilities right. and the acid sensibilities. Like, and she's reading that book in the store. I love that scene so much. She's reading this book and it's like this like pulp fantasy novel, and then by the end of it. Nicholas Cage has become like a pulp fantasy barbarian, but with chainsaws right. instead of swords. In this like, yeah, weird, different universe. Like it's yes. not on Earth anymore. We are yeah. in a n- whole new place. Yeah, right. Like, like acid fantasy is a weird subgenre that's like very unexplored, and that kind of gets into it a little bit. Yeah. If if Yodorowsky's exactly, dude I was had just going I was just gonna bring up Yodorowsky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking, I would have loved it. Um, yeah. All right, Greg, do you want to tell us what we're going to be watching next week for Altered April 2, Electric Boogaloo? Yeah, I had my two movies picked for the rest of the month, and I was I was really debating which one I was going to do next. And um, I decided to pull up the IMDb 
from one of them, which I only knew a little bit about it. Um, I am picking Ken Russell's 1980 film, Altered States. Um, nice. Do you want me to run down some of the cast, or do you want it to be a surprise? Because some of these people might get you pretty excited. I mean, I've seen it before, so... Oh, you have? I'm already okay. excited, yes. Well, yes. we got William Hurt, Bob Balaban, yep. Drew yep. Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea these people were in it, but I'm very excited to finally see this. This has been on my list for a long time. Um, I've been slowly getting into Ken Russell movies as the years go on, and so uh, really, really excited to check this out. I ended up watching this because, well, one, it was like, oh, it was always kind of put up there, like, oh, this is a really good movie, you should watch it. But there is a reference to it in South Park that oh. uh, I I was like, what is this from? It's it's a random episode where, like, Cartman's running down the hallway, and he's, like, beating on the wall. And as he's, like, beating <laughs> on the wall, he also, like, transforms a little bit. And that's from this movie. So... <laughs> Okay, I I, almost, I can I can kind of picture that in my head. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's great. That's very funny. I I literally just I didn't even I don't know if I didn't realize this, but I didn't know he directed Tommy Ken Russell. Tommy. Oh, uh, the the Who movie, right? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Which my some of my pinball friends have been trying to organize like a a group of, screening of, of that. Yeah. yeah. Tommy, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Tom, can right. you hear? Yeah, love it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well thank you all for listening please remember to always rate review subscribe anywhere you get this podcast uh, you can email us weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com we have both twitter and instagram at weeklymassacre so hit us up let us know if you have a scientific institute named after you trying to expand the human consciousness or if you have a bathtub full of black goop or mm. You have experienced full ego death and have come back out the other side. I want to hear from you. Maybe not in person, just through the computer. I don't probably want to meet you. Yeah, You're probably you, going to be you... <laughs> really weird and try to kill me. If you have a pair of pliers in your medicine cabinet, take your contacts out every night. <laughs> Tell us how Ooh, that, that was really goes. rough. Because yeah. he's, like, he's like struggling with it and sounds like mm-hmm. it's painful. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Bring home the mother load, Barry. What is the mortal world but a distraction? It's one of the few lines I actually could understand. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>